We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Ball loose. Give me one, Lance. Give me one, Lance. Stevenson ties it with 1.6. Duarte, he knows where the clock is, lets it fly and hits again. Halliburton at the buzzer. Captain Kush with another one. Brogdon goes inside and Turner finishes. Halliburton leaves it off for Batase. Go, go. Good job. Oh, what a move by Heald. He lays it in. Heald. Hotter than fish grease. Drops it off to Jalen Smith with the poster. Jackson the catch. Jackson the basket. Washington again. Five of them. Pacers got the steal. Out running is Brissette. Pounds it home. It to Taylor. Taylor missed it. Tips it in. Warren lets it fly. Yes! T.J. Warren is not human. Halliburton going to slam it at the other end. Okay, Pacer Nation, we are back, and we are here to talk with the man who runs Fieldhouse Files for not just the podcast, but the Substack that you guys should be subscribed to, the one and only Scott Agnes. Scott, thanks so much for joining me. Hey, good to be on with you, Alex. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. So it's been, um, has it been a month now since the Pacers have played their last game or just a little bit? Just later? about. Just about. Oh. So we're slowly approaching the draft lottery, obviously. <laughs> draft combine's coming up here in about 10 days. So a lot of things to be looking forward to for the Pacers and the future of this team. But let's start with this season. I just want to get your thoughts. I know you put a podcast out on Thursday, so I don't want to, you know, rehash too much, but Looking at this season as a whole, like, would you consider it a success in terms of they finally figured out which way they're heading, or would you still consider it a failure based on uh, how they ended record-wise and maybe expectations from the beginning of the year? Yeah, no, I don't think there's any way the season was a positive. Um, In turn, you have that redirection, and so then you gain some clarity, I think, on maybe the mission or – the direction they want to head but no they 25 wins from a franchise that we expect like 42 like that's not asking a lot generally um for a team that had been a constant playoff team no i think it was a it's been a failure the last couple of years now they have to turn it into a positive they have to make the most of it because they don't want to go down this path with any great regularity like the sacramento kings or anything like that but 
you get down this track, you create negative and losing ways, you got to make sure you get out of it and, and turn it forward quickly before it becomes something regular. Yeah. And I will say this positively, it is kind of cool to see that there are some players hanging out still working out at the practice facility. I don't know if you've been able to talk with any of the players or be at any of those practices, but um, do you know who's currently been working out at the Pacers facility and uh, do they have plans to stay here over the summer? Yeah, there's a handful of guys and, and no, we're, those are not open. Um, those are only being pushed out by the, by the team and mm-hmm. um, given, I don't know, their photographer, social media person, uh, a chance to walk through or take photos during those. Those are, are not open. Um, and I don't read too much into it because it's totally player optional, right? However, um, it is a positive, I think, but it doesn't take away, I guess, if, if a player is not. However, I will note, I, going off history, I do remember, and it was something like 2014 maybe, and then maybe 2016. I remember Lance going into the year, right? He thought he was an all-star. The la- the previous two summers, he had remained here in Indy and worked out almost every day at the team facility. And that was before the St. Vincent Center, which is immaculate. Then a couple years later, when C.J. Miles joined the team, he made a point to stay here in Indy and work out and then had a really good season. So I think there are a lot of valuable things that go into it. But it's not an end-all, be-all. What you see is a guy like TJ McConnell, who's in town, still completely rehabbing, has a newborn. It's easier for him to do that versus a Miles Turner who has who's single, who's traveling with his boys and and living it up. And I don't blame either one of them. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think you know it's the offseason. You can do what you want. You can get your workouts in wherever you want. But exactly. I think it's it's also important to you know just maybe see some chemistry. I don't know how much practice can create chemistry but I think it does help grow relationships and so obviously Tyrese Halliburton is a guy that we want to see continue to take steps forward as he has now kind of become the franchise uh, player for this team so talk Mm -hmm. to me a little bit about what you saw from Halliburton in his time here with the Pacers over the last you know couple of months and uh, what do you think his future looks like sure yeah And, and to finish that up up that last point there you can't really gain on court chemistry in my opinion when you're you know if you're rebounding for each other playing one-on-one or two-on-two however like let me put it into back uh, broadcasting terms that i see like if you have a new broadcasting partner it is so helpful for you to have several phone calls together to have dinners the night before a broadcast or things like that so you understand the guy what makes them tick um and if you trust a guy off the court and understand their situation that trust translates onto the court so i think the more time you can hang out together the better. And on top of that, if you like a guy, you root for a guy. You want to see his success, and that that also is a good thing. So I was impressed that, you know, at the end of the year, guys like Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald, who had been with each other for the last two seasons, aren't tired of each other. So yeah. when the season ends, they're going to the Bahamas for several days, and I assume they hung out. Um, I don't know for sure, but O'Shea Brissett also posted from the Bahamas. And Brissett, he's a very likable guy like so many of these guys and they've become close. And the other night he, he shared on Instagram that he was at the Phoenix playoff game watching his guy, Tori Craig. So I like little things like that. I think those are all absolutely positives. Um, now in terms of Tyrese really like his game. I was still a big fan of that trade. I understood it when you could do it. I mean, it was telling though, of course that they were able or willing to part with, Domas, it shows how much they believed in Tyrese. And on top of that, what we later found out, I think it was like a week into his time here, is that Rick, while in Dallas, was trying to trade up for him. He wanted to get Tyrese in Dallas. And so now knowing that perspective as well, it informs your thought here that, okay, 
that was another push. There was another reason the Pacers had acquired him was because Rick's a big fan. And and with Rick and all that, you're going to play guys that you really like and are invested in. So I thought that was telling. And then I forget what the numbers are now because we're a month removed from the season. But mm-hmm. the thing I really liked about Tyrese, of course, more than anything, I think was his distribution, his assist numbers, and how he was like fourth, I think, in the league in total assists during that final like 25-game span. And what this team has lacked is a guy that gets others involved and sets, sets up everyone else. Now, I think, Alex, the next thing for him in growth is him being a little bit more assertive and dominant and saying, all right, I got this. Let me try to attack more. That's the only thing I felt in the last 25 games. You never knew what you were going to get. Maybe he'd settle in and pass in the first half. But, you know, the third quarter, it might be a 14-point quarter, and you're like, hey, let's get more of that throughout the entirety of the game. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. And I, I definitely think – being in the Bahamas with O'Shea, Tyrese, and Buddy would be a heck of a lot of fun. So I'm oh, very yeah. jealous. Absolutely. That is that is definitely a vibe right there. Um, <laughs> would love to be a fly on the wall just to have you know figure out what's going on there. But that'd be a cool hangout for sure. Um, and, to make, and to make it even better is the fact that Buddy's from there, so right. he's kind of got he he knows all let's say the trade secrets <laughs> or the, the spots or the yes. the best hotel or I think I even saw maybe like an Airbnb or a house or something. So like, it looked like, as you would expect, they had a nice setup. I went to the Bahamas <laughs> myself a couple of summers ago, right before the season, staying in a, just a little Marriott hotel. They had a way better setup. Uh, yeah, no, They're no probably on a yacht. That. I don't know that, but that's clean living right there. I love it. Yeah, you, you hope Buddy took care of him, especially mm-hmm. being there and having the bigger contract. But, uh, you know, speaking of Buddy Heald, obviously we got some other veterans on this team, McConnell, Brogdon, Turner. Not too um, many, though. Not yeah. so many, which was hilarious, by the way, Alex, because during his exit interview, Gogo was like, yeah, I'm a vet now, man. <laughs> because I, I asked him, I go, Gogo, did you realize outside of Miles, you're the longest tenured player on the team? Wow. He was like, oh, you're right, bro. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess you call me a vet now. Gogo. Uh, that is hilarious. And I didn't even think about that. I know there for a while. Uh, it was Sabonis, I think, or Turner and Sabonis. So, yeah, that is crazy. You didn't even think about that. But I, I do want to talk about these veterans, obviously, what you think their long-term future could be with this team. I, I don't know exactly what's going to happen. I don't think anybody does. But it, it appears to me that it'd be that Brogdon is the most likely moved out of the veterans. But I'm curious your thoughts. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think pending a good deal out there, kind of have to move on from Malcolm, I think, at this point for a, for a multitude of of reasons, but most of all is you got a crowded backcourt. You got to make way for those younger guys and potentially whatever they add in the draft as well, which is unclear as of this conversation. But I really like what we saw from Malcolm if he would be willing to accept moving to more off the ball. Um, but what I didn't like actually was when they were paired together because I felt like when Malcolm and Tyrese was out there, Tyrese reverted back to that secondary option, let's say, or like, I don't want to crowd his space or, or this is his team. No, Tyrese, this is your team. You are the new face of the team. Miles has been here longer, but they are all in with you. And I didn't feel like he played that way. I don't know about you when Malcolm was out there. Um, and so to the Malcolm point, I think they're going to look, look strongly at, at moving him and, and seeing if you can get probably get a first round pick and ideally a rotational piece as well. I think that would be the most likely package um, that would be reasonable. Yeah. I think the Knicks make a lot of sense there, but the, with the, I think they have that 11th pick right now, more than likely we'll finish with that. You don't usually see 
teams in that 11 to 14 range jump up into the top four. It's obviously possible with the lottery, but uh, very unlikely. I mean, I think the Knicks have been in desperate need for a point guard. I just don't know if Thibodeau would be the perfect coach for Brogdon. I was I was just going to say that. Yeah. A coach that plays his guys 42 minutes a game, yeah. that is not what Malcolm needs. No, Malcolm would probably prefer something else. And, you know, I was just on with JMV before we did this podcast. It was okay. funny. He asked me about Brogdon, where I think he could go. And I said, look, the injury concerns are there, but I also think Malcolm is a guy that will not play unless he's about 100%, you know, cleared. So he could have come back earlier, probably. He could have played some when he was, you know, played through injury. But I think teams that are going to trade for him shouldn't want him to be like somebody they have to rely on, more of like a complimentary piece. Like, yeah, he's like our fourth or fifth best start, like, you know, best starter on the team, not the best wing player or the best guard because – for the last couple of years, he's been that for the Pacers, and he's shown flashes of, like, really good basketball. But at the same time, I don't think, you know, you're going to go very far as a team if Brogdon is your best guard or potentially your most reliable player. Yeah, I mean, just going off facts and what he's done over his career, even going back to Virginia where he had surgery and such things like that, which is why he fell to the second round. I think if you're any team in the league looking into him, you have to be able to accept the idea that he's not available for 20 games mm -hmm. and at least right now where it's still an 82 game season i think you can accept almost any player about 10 games i think that's the new reality right i think what was it four players maybe played in all 82 last year unprecedented i think with that but when that number grows from like 10 to 22 games at least and if you depend on malcolm for so much that's that's got to make you um that's got to give you pause i think just a little bit but for me, I'm thinking about Malcolm. He's going to turn 30 in the middle of this upcoming season. I think back, let's maximize these final years. You already got the contract extension. If he wants to, he'll probably be able to sign at least one more deal after this, after it expires in 2025. So he'll be something like 33, I want to say. Um, let's maximize your career. And in doing so, he excelled as that off-ball guard with Giannis and company. Mm -hmm. That's when he was 50, 40, 90. He's he's resistant to that, as far as I understand, um, generally, just because even a couple of years ago during his exit interview, I guess it was last year, not this year, I asked, Malcolm, would you be willing to accept moving to an off ball? He goes, no, I'm a point guard. And that was the end of it. Point. Yeah. I don't know if his mindset has completely changed on it. I don't read too much into what he said at the end of the season, mostly because of circumstances. Tyrese takes over. He's the guy. And on top of that, they're headed more towards the lottery, so there was no rush for him to be back. They kind of, in my opinion, they kind of made him questionable for all those late games just in case they needed him to be out there uh, or just to be active because you have to have eight active players. Turns out he was not needed, but just in case. That's why he was constantly on the injury report. I do believe he could have played if needed. There was just no need. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, you have to wonder if the Pacers like allowed him to make that decision or if it was his, you know, or they were the ones pulling him out or if they said, hey, do you want to play? Do you not want to play? Like kind of put the ball in his court. Um because obviously we knew what the whole direction of the team was, and that was to lose games. I mean, the end of the, the season on what, like an eight-game losing treat, nine-game losing yeah. treat, something like yeah. that, ten? Oh, wow, yeah, okay. So, you know. And the worst, Alex, is my favorite note. They gave up like 127.8 <laughs> points per game during that stretch. Uh, it was awful basketball. No, awful. it was unenjoyable for sure. I mean, I went to one of the games. I might have been actually the two of them. I went to the Kings game, and it was just like – yeah, it was just brutal. I, I mean, honestly, during the second half, I just stood up there in the mid-level right behind you guys where the media sits and talk with Tyler Smith for like pretty much the whole entire second half while we watched the game from a distance. It's just that's kind of where this team was, and there was just not a lot of buzz about them. But I do think that it's interesting that they went out and got a point guard kind of why they had Brogdon already on the roster. I think it was kind of like, uh, hey, you know, this is a sign of things to come. They obviously couldn't move Brogdon because of the extension, so – um, it'll be interesting. I know Carlisle loves his Virginia guys, but you have to think <laughs> long-term future here with this team. And so uh, with that being said, I'm curious, I don't know if you've looked at anything in the draft. I don't know if I haven't seen any articles from you about the draft, but uh, maybe not player wise, if you don't know players that you're interested in, but if you are, I would love to hear that. But position wise, what do you think they should look at? Yeah. So kind of my general stance is it's not a big draft guy, mostly in part, because we haven't had to be right. Pacers right. usually are dra- drafting 18 to 23rd. And it's quite honestly a crapshoot. Um, it's all about at that point, either best player available, but at the same time, teams fluctuate greatly about what they value and, and what they believe at that point. So it made it difficult to follow the draft. Um, and on top of that, I'm beginning, continuing to find college basketball really difficult to watch, especially with the more one and dones and, and, so I'll rather spend more free time watching, honestly, an Orlando-Charlotte game much more than a couple of top 10 teams. Um, long story short, I, I'm familiar with all these guys, but I try to, I'm trying to generally wait till after the draft combine where not only can I see them in person, but start talking with people. And the most important thing is not what they're doing during the college season. It's when they get in front of the executives complete interviews and then come to town and do those pre-draft workouts. That's when you start really having an idea of how teams or generally feel about these players and what they look forward to. So we all know all those top names at the top. Um, but right now, none of them completely jump out at me. Uh, you got to like Banchero, I think in general, from what you saw from him at Duke, uh, Jaden Ivy, obviously, and I'm biased because I saw Jaden and Keegan Murray um, here at the Big Ten tournament, but those guys you got to be familiar with. And then, so you asked, you know, position wise more so. And I, I don't think the Pacers are in a position to not draft a position. Does that make sense? How do you yeah. feel about that? I, I think no. right now you got to go best player available for the most part, as long as it fits it. And then you figure it out. If you have too many guards, you move one. And then they have the most value um, ultimately. But if you had your pick and you could, create your player right it's 2k i'm getting a paul george type i want that three and d guy you got to get back to defense and they still need more shooting 
Yeah, so you're probably like more Jabari Smith to be up the top of your board then because that's kind of what he is. Really good three-point shooter, really solid defender. I think right now at the top of the draft, I mean, aside from Chet, it's really a lot of power forwards and shooting guards. There's not a lot of point guards in this draft. I think Ty Ty Washington is, you know, arguably the best point guard, but he's kind of – And that's fine for the Pacers. They got theirs. Right. That's what I'm saying. So they're kind of in a prime (laughs) position where you don't really need a point guard. Um, They desperately need a power forward. And I think if you look at some of the guys that are mentioned here, like you said, Murray, Boncaro, uh, you know, of course, Jabari Smith, and then – um, yeah. A guy that I'm really intrigued by, I don't know if you know much about him, but Terry Eason, I mean, all these guys um, are, are looking to be lottery picks. And uh, I think that's in, intriguing to a certain degree. I'm pretty much out on uh, Johnny Davis for the Pacers. I just don't think he fits with what they want to do. I don't like his fit next to Halliburton, but, you know, you never know. Yeah, I think problem. that'd be a, we don't know where they're drafting, obviously, but let's take it where they are right now. They're yeah, the fifth five. worst record. Let's go to five. I think Johnny Davis would be a reach. At yeah, five, yeah. I think he's probably in eight to 12. Exactly. At, at best. Yeah, that's where I have him too, my range. Um, I didn't even have him on my top 10 for my Pacer-centric board. Um, sure, yeah, and I, I, know, I totally agree with that from what I've seen. Yeah, I mean, I, I think more guys like in the Big Ten that you're talking about, E.J. Liddell, I think he might actually make more sense for this team and what they desperately need because right now, if you're looking at the power four position, you've got uh, Jalen Smith, who's an unrestricted free agent. TJ Warren could play that position. He's an unrestricted free agent. And then you've got O'Shea Brissett. I mean, other than that, you really don't have a lot of power forwards unless you want to pigeonhole an Isaiah Jackson or a Terry Taylor in there next to Miles, which I don't think is the greatest fit. Uh, It's okay. I mean, I wouldn't hate to see that pairing of, of Turner and Jackson together, but at the same time, I think they just got to get somebody that's a little bit better uh, than an Isaiah Jackson projects to be right now. So um, this is a huge draft for him, but I also don't mind the fact that they couldn't, you know, upgrade at shooting guard. I understand people have brought concerns to me about Chris Duarte. What do you do with him if you draft a shooting guard? But I think in today's NBA, you can easily slide Chris Duarte over to the three position and have him play the three. Yeah, a couple of things there. First of all, I don't think you can have too many shooters on yeah. your team. Second, I think they're pretty well set, especially if you roll with Buddy mm-hmm. at that two guard. To be honest, though, you look at Buddy, you look at Chris Duarte, and I, I like what they have there. That's why I see three and four are the the two big positions of need for this team. If you you know can have your choice of what you want, but you don't know what it, what players, which ones will exactly be there. But those are the two positions of need at the moment, mm-hmm. unless they make some other deals. Right, but, I, but but for me, like, for example, like if Jaden Ivey's on the board and that's like the best player at the time, you view him as a shooting guard that can fit in really nicely next to Halliburton. Because you have Duarte and because you have Buddy Hill, it doesn't make you not draft a guy like Ivy because you believe in his potential. Uh, same with like a, potentially a Shaden Sharp or a Benedict Matherin, those kind of guys that can play that position. I don't think that you should really be factoring in Buddy Hill as part of your rotation in, ter- in terms of not drafting a player. But if you like a Keegan Murray or somebody that's at that power four position better than I can understand that maybe an AJ Griffin from yeah. Duke as well, you know, obviously the, the high school injuries are a little bit concerning, but you know, I, I understand what everybody's saying. So I, I think for me, like you said, they're not in a position to really determine, Oh, we need this position. You just got to draft the best player available and mm-hmm. get the most talent on this team because that's where they struggle. We know they have some free agency cap space here. This free agency class is not great. Do you anticipate them doing anything of significance in free agency? Well, for one, to close up that last thing, I think the biggest question with wherever the Pacers will be slotted with their pick, and again, it's a shame the Cavs ruined what they were doing in the Uh. final two months of the season because 
then this had a real chance for the Pacers to be interesting. Let's say they, again, I'm, let's consider it was, you know, fifth, and then they would have the Cavs lottery or just outside the lottery pick. Let's yeah. say it was 18th and 31. Oh, the, the possibilities there. Maybe they fall to eighth, their, their pick does. Maybe they trade eight and 15 and move up to a, a top pick if they really love a guy. Maybe they move, you know, the 15th pick and move back and pick up two end of first round guy. I don't know. There's There would have been a lot of fun possibilities there. Maybe they acquire a, a, a player from another team. But again, my, my big question actually becomes for the Pacers, also how risk averse can you be, right? Because Keegan Murray, I, I think, is just so, will be just solid. Yeah, but you yeah. think about a guy like Jay Nivey, and the thing I'm really interested in him is what's his ceiling? I think we probably know more so. It's more defined or expected in a guy like Keegan Murray to take those two Big Ten guys a lot of our the audiences are familiar about. I think, you know, how much are the, this, this front office willing to take a bold chance with this? And I think you have to give it a serious consideration because you don't hope to be back here. You may not be back here in the next two or three years. Maybe you will but maybe you need to take that high-end chance that won't help you next season as much. But maybe, to use Kevin's phrase, get special three years down the road. Maybe that guy is more special. and That's the question I want to get answered. Yeah, for sure. Now, uh, let's go back to that free agency part of it. No, I'm sorry, yes. No, you're all right. You're all right. Uh, do you think there are players at all in free agency? I, I, I think the Pacers are probably a couple – another – year away from being a, a true playoff team, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, not to say a 25-win season by any means. But to that end, I think they're getting younger. They're getting faster. They're reshaping the roster. And so uh, they could add a – what I could see them really needing and adding is a both a veteran who has been there and can lead, whether by voice or example, because, excuse me, that's something they're really missing out on. But I, I don't – think like I'm thinking about being a a player in free agency for one they never really have been and then on top of that I think you're more more so trying to add that special young player and so I guess what I'm thinking there is you think about trading Malcolm Brogdon which seems more and more likely right well maybe you get a first round pick and you get that young guy that hasn't quite clicked think let's let's talk about Jalen Smith for example a guy just like that hasn't really been a good fit for Phoenix when he was there, maybe the Pacers believe in him more. They could add him to his the rotation, and he blossoms. I think that's more so where they would be a player in rather than free agency. I got you. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. It's a, uh, it's weird that they actually have some cap space. You got to figure out how do they go about doing it. How do they, how do they go about using it? With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice. Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
and, and that stuff. So let me let me transition back a little bit now to some of our veterans. Obviously, Miles Turner is a guy that's been a popular name amongst Pacer fans in terms of like what's going to happen. It seems like I believe I believe as Mark Stein had a report out saying the Pacers plan on keeping him long term. I still think that there's questions like if they get their ideal, could they move him? But I think what ultimately will tell us everything is do they get that extension done? So let's just imagine they do get an extension done. What do you think is a fair price for Miles and, and where this team's heading? Mm. Yeah, I haven't really thought about that just yet. I think I, I don't know about in long term. And I guess that means, you know, do you sign him into extension and does he see that contract through? I think the end game is for the Pacers first to see how he what he looks like when he's healthy and paired alongside, you know, Tyrese and your younger core in the fall. I think that's really intriguing and interesting because what he adds defensively, like we all know, and on top of that, okay, they cleared the deck. Sabonis is gone. Let us see you be that player we you we've heard you talk about now for the last year. Can you back that up? I'm really intrigued by that, honestly. And and to be clear, I'm not expecting a 30 and 10 guy. What I'm expecting is for him to have more influence offensively and for him to be more consistent with it. I think that's something we all want to see outside of good health, which he has not had recently, not finishing the last couple of years. Now, when it comes to free agency, I haven't talked with people about this, so this is purely speculation. I want to make clear, not reporting, but I would think probably something in the ballpark of, I don't know, four years, 80 million. So about 20 a year, maybe 20, 20 a year on average. We know the salary cap's going to go up. It would be a slight increase over what he has been making, which is something like 18 and a half mm-hmm. over the last, you know, terms of his contract. So it would not be the Brogdon where it's actually less money when you consider inflation and, and all the different things, this would be a little bit of an increase, but you also have to realize um, the value of the big man's a little bit different, I think, nowadays. And and so that, if you're the Pacers, or I think any team has to give you pause when you see another team. Let's take Boston, for example. They're spending like $2.5 million or $5 million on their big. It's all about the perimeter. And so I think that's where you're seeing more value being placed by executives all across the league. Yeah, I have no, I have no problem giving Miles twenty million a year. I think that's pretty fair. Um, I do get a little bit concerned. You'd be with comfortable at twenty five, twenty seven, which yeah, is probably I'm, what he wants. I don't know this, but probably yeah. what he's gunning for. I would not be comfortable with twenty five. I feel like there's a little too much, just because I feel like he hasn't proven enough yet that he can be more than just the fourth or fifth best player on his team, right? I mean, I think there's arguments that it could have been like third or fourth, whatever you want to call it, but I just. I don't know. To me, he's just kind of been a role player uh, to a certain degree, and he's not really been, um, you know, a reliable player in terms of like a a go-to guy that you're going to, you know, say, hey, get us 18, like you said, a night, you know. there's The argument would be, sorry to interrupt, the argument would be for Miles, he he knows his role, and that's what he's done for the last (laughs) couple of years, right? It's own the defensive end and contribute when necessary offensively. So it's, for me, in part it's kind of hard to criticize him some offensively because it goes back kind of what George Hill did in his final year it was okay stand in the corner and that's what he's being asked to do it doesn't mean he's being it means he's not maximized but that was his role and so to the to our big point is that's why I'm really interested in seeing him this fall what he looks like when playing that role he talks about but yeah um I don't see him being a top three option but can he contribute more offensively I think absolutely yeah, and I, you know what's really funny is I actually was not too long ago looking back at some of the of his rookie season 
some of the uh, the highlights from his rookie season and just watching where he was getting the ball at, where he was positioned at on the offensive end, he was inside the three-point line a lot. So uh, it's interesting to see like how he's evolved as a player. He's gotten, um, you know, he's thinned down a little bit. He's more of a guy that shoots from the outside, but I really think that he could be versatile in pick and pop, pick and roll situations, but he's going to have to become a better screener because sometimes his screens can be kind of hit or miss. And I, and I wouldn't be opposed to seeing him play some more out of the dunker spot either. Uh, it felt like he was always just, like you said, spread out on the perimeter. And he actually doesn't have, you know, terrible touch around the rim. He's actually got a nice touch around the rim. He just doesn't get a lot of opportunities in that area. So uh, yeah. might not have a great back to the basket game, but, you know, just kind of playing that Thad Young role a little bit in that dunker spot might not be the worst idea for him. So um, the, other, the, go ahead. The craziest thing with Miles, I think, Alex, yeah. is the fact that, He's been in the league for seven years, and he's just 26. And yeah. generally, that's right when a player starts to hit their prime yet. So there is, I think there's more there. There's definitely potential. Um, but in fairness, his numbers have kind of, I think after that first year, once him and Domus kind of got comfortable playing with each other and what their specific roles are, his numbers have kind of been flat, and that's what he is. Like, they've been consistent. And, and that's what I mean by flat, is you know exactly what you're going to get every game from, basically like 12, 7, and 3, talking blocks at the end. And that's yeah. who he is. You'd like for him to to tack on a couple more. Um, but part of that is is his usage and and also playing through things and not getting down on himself and, and being okay if his number's not called offensively some. Because you can see sometimes when he gets pissed or pouts or something, the next game, uh, whomever the coach was, right? They make a point. Let's get Miles a shot, the first couple of shots, because he is a much different player when he sees a couple shots go down. Um, he's fired up defensively and is, gets more involved offensively. Yeah, and I mean, I can understand that too. Like, if you feel like you're always left out on one side of the court, it'd be kind of frustrating, especially if you feel like you have the skill sets to be impactful yeah. on that end. So You want to be rewarded, right? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, obviously, I think it's pretty clear Sabonis was the better offensive player, but uh, on the flip side, Turner is a significantly better defender than, than Sabonis as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad that we don't have to talk about the double bigs, and that's yes. kind of why uh, I'm really hoping we don't get Chet either. I just don't want to talk about bigs anymore. It's just kind of over the top with it. And and I've already seen people start to do, like, the Isaiah Jackson versus Miles Turner stuff. It's like, uh, can we just, like, not? Like, clearly, if you watch Isaiah Jackson, you can tell how much more uh, ready miles is for this moment than Jackson. I, Isaiah's got plenty of room to grow and uh, it'll be a few more years before I really think uh, you can even start talking about him being a starter, but um, we'll get to that another day. Uh, real quick, one one more thing on the free agents here. Obviously the Pacers, I guess the most popular names for the free agents are Lance Stevenson, TJ Warren. What are your, what's the likelihood of them coming back next season? Yeah, with TJ Warren, I think it's just, it's, clouded I, i'm not sure any of us know and a lot of it's due to tj is he's very private he's all basketball but it's been a a challenging trying last two seasons for him um i'm not sure we have any clarity on his situation just yet uh or or how he's doing physically right um that's something that's been vague uh i did ask rick kind of about you know would you like to see him back or something where it didn't put him in a bad place about like, no, we don't want him back or you, you're negotiating publicly basically. Um, and there wasn't much given there. We still haven't heard from anyone from the front office, unfortunately, although hopefully that will happen in the next two weeks after the draft lottery, but that we might be able to get an update on maybe how TJ is doing. Like, I'm curious, how's his mentals? How's he physically? Is he 
doing any full court right now. So I can't really make a conclusion yet about him without more intel. Um, and then with Lance, I think a lot will be shaped by what the Pacers do over the next month and a half too, right? Are, are there more changes? How crowded is the backcourt? How many roster spots do they have available? Uh, and no Lance, I mean, he's made clear as could be. He not only wants to be back here, we'd like to finish his career here. He, he made those several mistakes leaving twice. And, and even before that, making uh, that deal with Charlotte that kind of interrupted the success of his career. But um, I, th- I think, I, yeah, we'll see what the roster, what it looks like. Um, if there is an open roster spot, it seems like the Pacers will bring him back. Uh, but right now, to be determined. Yeah, that's, that's kind of how you are. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel, too, depending on what they do. And um, if they draft players in his position, then he would just kind of get in the way of that. But if they go maybe more front court and there's more room in the back court, if they do trade Brogdon, maybe get a draft pick for later and a front court yeah. player, like, yeah, there's definitely some room there. But I think um, what also could be a big factor is what direction they go. Because if they decide that, hey, we're going to go extremely young, trade Brogdon, potentially trade Buddy Heald, then you're going to have to have something besides just the young talent to entice the fans and, you know, whatever. You've been at every game this year. I don't year. believe in that a ton. It does I make it more it interesting, but it's not ticket sales. You're not getting more TV viewers, anything like this. But you are making games more fun, I will yeah. say. That. And, I mean, he doesn't even have to play that much. I think just as a 15th man on the roster, yeah. just the fact that he's there and, like, he could potentially go in. It's, I mean, he still got the biggest cheers out of anybody when he went into the game. So, I mean, I, I think there's something there. Uh, I will never forget. I think it was, I think it was a couple of years ago when he was with the team before they let him go. Um, that, that time I was 2018, I think 2017, 2018. Uh, I was watching the, one of the games and the guy's like, put Lance in. He's the only one that can make a difference. And I started laughing. Uh, the fan base is kind of delusional when it comes to Lance Stevenson and what he can do. But um, I definitely think that, his return to the Pacers this year, especially that first home game against the Nets, might have been the brightest spot of the entire season outside of the Halliburton trade. No, man, that was that was amazing. Yeah. That was special. <laughs> that was memorable. Uh, it was even better uh, because it was against his hometown team in Brooklyn. And how he dominated that first quarter was special. Yeah, I was so pissed I could not be there because I was at my apartment with COVID and oh, is that when you had it, COVID? That was. Oh, and so bro. I think I had missed like three games in three years, and I missed three games in a row right there because one, the NBA wasn't sure what their media policy was mm-hmm. when anybody returned. If you remember, that was a heightened part of uh, when everybody across the league basically was You're dealing right. with COVID. Yeah. And so I was. This is an interesting note, actually, for your list. Like I was talking with league PR. And they were trying to figure out what their policy and with their doctors of what it should be for media to return, actually. And so, uh, you know, and then ultimately Pacers PR told me, hey, we need a negative test for you to return. And so that's what I did and then returned. But I, I missed that game physically, was not there. And that, that's a real disappointment for me. Yeah, for sure. No, I mean, that, that sucks that you missed that, especially for all the games that you did cover. Uh, that right. one to miss, you had to miss the best one, potentially. So, um, but yeah, but no, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Obviously, I think this draft lottery will kind of give us an idea of what direction they're heading and what players will be available in that range. But, you know, yeah. I think there are about seven, eight guys that I'm pretty enticed with here in this, um, in this draft, for sure. So it'll and be the- interesting. I was going to say the one thing with Lance too is I think you've seen and he has much better understanding of his place where 
I thought we saw well this year, the fact that, you know, if he might play 25 minutes one game and not the next. And mm-hmm. I never thought we saw him be a bad teammate or dog his guys to the media or not be engaged. I mean, the dude was the same guy. He was standing up on the baseline, eager to get in there. And even if he didn't get in, and that was one of the big things I know he was stressing and his agent were stressing to teams is, look, he's now a veteran, which is kind of crazy to believe. Like, by the way, it hit me hard this week when PG turned 32 and his daughter turned eight. I remember all of that, all of that, uh, you know, him becoming a father and all that stuff. It's crazy. But uh, yeah, with Lance, he, he can not only still play and, and contribute and be an energizer guy on the court, but also on the bench. And outside of TJ McConnell, they did not have that. So that's another big reason to bring him back uh, should they choose to go that route. Yeah, I, th- I think there's a majority that probably would prefer to have him back more than the minority that uh, wouldn't. But oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see what they do. So obviously, there's still a lot of question marks to be made. But um, as we wrap this up, Scott, is there anything that you uh, would like to like, promote that you have coming out, article wise or uh, podcast wise? Uh, just that I posted a new podcast here this week. I feel bad. I kind of took a month or two off uh, from the podcast game, whereas I feel like you and the boys are putting out like five podcasts a week. Which hey, I we've, we've slowed down a little bit. We've like, hey man, down. how do you even have? Because I'm a huge con podcast consumer and i'm like man that is a lot of consumption right there uh for your for your audience but in fairness there's clearly a market for it so i love that but no the podcast podcast is back we're rolling there and uh just continued coverage at fieldhousefiles.com nothing in particular just got a lot of good stuff coming there i can tell you that awesome and we'll be waiting for that breaking story to see if carlisle's still coaching by next season i'm just kidding uh, with that being said, everybody, you can find us on Twitter at Setting the Pace 3. I'm at Alex GoldenBee, and my co-host, Foch, is at underscore F-A-C-C-I. We will talk to you all next week. We've got a Draft Duels podcast coming. We're going to talk about Jabari Smith and Paulo Boncaro. I think you guys are going to like that. Let's go Pacers! Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.